Let's go. We're in the basement of the basement. It is a very, very big Apollacus. Yeah, something's coming up, right? The Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's right. This week. Yeah, we, we have to find something to keep ourselves entertained because next week, the big old Super Bowl, and Palacios oh. is just so excited over there. He's screaming. Yeah. I uh, b- Bless us all. The Super Bowl has, is upon us. Maybe one day that the Oakland Raiders can find a home. Can I get an amen? Yeah, and they did. Yeah, my And that's of- where the Super Bowl is this year. Yeah, and isn't it so much fun that the Super Bowl is in a stadium with the team who uh, is host the team stadium hosted has not played in the Super Bowl in how many years? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Couple though. years? Yeah, it's what, been almost saying, twenty years. Oh, you're talking Over about, oh the team who's hosted it. Oh, I think you're talking about the team, the team that's playing in it, playing in their host stadium. How does it feel seeing a team rival in the Super Bowl for like the fourth time in a row in your stadium? Does it make you want to cry? You wouldn't know anything. Does it make about you want that. to eat dog food? You wouldn't. You're from a division that doesn't have anybody play in the Super Bowl, and you don't host Super Bowls. Next, yeah, we only have like two domes. Mm-hmm. But I digress, Paulacious. It's just you know we have hope. We might be getting Caleb Williams, or maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe possibly, not. definitely not. But yeah, Mercado's going to talk about that. He's also going to talk some NBA stuff about Tony Snell. If you remember him, who used to play with the Bulls. Uh, and Joel Embiid, who was having a great season until he got injured. Looks like he is going to be out for a while, a torn meniscus. We'll see how long that keeps him down. Uh, but, of course, the big thing is the Super Bowl preview. You know, we have all of us together, the whole gang, Marver, you, me, Mercado. We lay down our Super Bowl predictions, talk about some really good storylines. Yeah, we're going to have the Sports Cubicle Super Bowl shuffle. Paul Aceus is going to uh, do a rap for us. It's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, I'm Samurai Paul, and I'll stop him good. We should probably go to another segment. <laughs> boop, 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 Mercado. Take it away. Please. 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 On Sunday, February 11, 2024, at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, the sports world, the entertainment world, the pop culture world, The entire eyes of the United States and millions among the world will all be focused on one game, the biggest game in 2024. It will be between the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs against the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. And we are here to break down how we got here, previewing the game, our predictions, and what might be the fallout of one of the biggest games in sports history here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. It's Paul Shivari. It's Devin Tingle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. And we have finally made it to the Super Bowl. Everybody had a prediction. Everybody had vibes. Everybody's had different MVPs. Everybody's had different scenarios on how we would get to this day in the desert in Sin City. But we finally have our matchup. We finally have the key components of what's going to make this chemistry experiment explode on Sunday. And I am super excited because I think, wow, the scenario a lot of us would have liked to see the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens, even though this seems very chalk, this seems like the heavyweight matchup we really need to see and decide whether or not San Francisco can place themselves in the pedestal in the room, in the pantheon of some of the great legacy teams over the last 10, 15 years. And Kansas City, the Dragon, the Schmog, the Vader, the Thanos of the NFL, 
Can Patrick Mahomes, can Andy Reid add another trophy to their legacy, cementing themselves as the team of this modern era? Paulie, you are somebody who watches a lot of Chiefs football because of the team you root for. You see the damage. Twice here, yeah. <laughs> well, you have to see how they play against the Chargers, how they do against the Broncos, and then how many games they're going to be above you guys by the time we get to October, if they're going to be five games or six games above the Vegas Raiders. And playing in Allegiant Stadium, a lot of vibes in this game. What do you think about how we got here in this matchup of what is two really tentpole teams in the NFL? I think for starters, the 49ers were always a talented team, but last year they ran into injuries uh, once Purdy got hurt, and that's where the Eagles kind of took over. But the uh, 49ers had a good shot to make the Super Bowl last year. A uh, big storyline for the, for the Niners is the fact that it'll be Brock Purdy and not Jimmy Garoppolo starting in the Super Bowl. Um, and then, of course, the Chiefs where, you know, people counted them out how many times this year and how many injuries we saw and how many distractions off the field that we saw. And they were still able to pull it together and looks pretty comfortable doing it. I know uh, Buffalo gave them a little bit of trouble and Baltimore it was close, but Kansas City seemed in control this entire playoffs. And they're just one of those teams. They're in that era. Um, and, and I do want to point out that three out of four of us in our preseason predictions had the Chiefs in this Super Bowl, and all three also had them uh, winning the Super Bowl out of this group here. So do you guys know who, do you guys know who the one that didn't get it right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and congratulations to Mercado and Devin that predicted Chiefs over 49ers before the season started in the Super Bowl. But I, I think that also speaks to the fact that they were safe bets too, not to take your predictions away, uh, but they're, they're such a strong team. Don't count out the Chiefs and the 49ers were healthy and were able to prove that they can get back there. I think that's so interesting that you bring that up. Our predictions at the beginning of the season, because the NFL being such a short season and everybody living week to week, how many different times did it feel like that prediction seemed crazy? You're like, oh, there's no way it's going to be San Francisco. There's no way it's going to be Kansas City. Ups and downs. And I think by the end of maybe November, by the time we got to like mid-November, I was kind of already feeling that, man, it's hard to go against Patrick Mahomes, even if they don't look good. I've seen bad Patriots teams. But you don't go against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady at that point. And until somebody does it, you have to wait until somebody does it. But I'm so glad you brought that up because it's the ebbs and flows of the NFL. And if you're a fan of, like, let's say Major League Baseball or the NBA, where you really have to take it slowly and buy bigger samples and let the season play out, the NFL is not like that. The NFL is so fast-paced and so rapid. And to think about how crazy some of these predictions were, and I think so many people had really smart ones that seem inevitable. Like, I bet you if you said the Cowboys were going to the Super Bowl around week 14, it seemed pretty smart. And now look where we are. But, Devin, you've seen Paul set this up, and you saw how in, in the NFC side, San Francisco took care of business against Green Bay and Detroit. Paul mentioned the Chiefs taking care of the Dolphins, taking care of the Bills, taking care of the Ravens. How are you anticipating? How? What are your vibes about this Super Bowl in Las Vegas? Well, last time these two teams face each other, we were followed with a global pandemic. So I am very nervous about this Super Bowl, to say the least. <laughs> but, I mean, it's definitely – it's not even so much – as much as we'll call it the rematch, I mean, this is a much different 49ers team than it was, oh, my gosh, four years ago. Time flies by. And this Chiefs team, I, I can't really even say they're 
they're they're pretty much the same team here. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, the Chiefs, you know, they lost to Paul's Raiders of all teams on Christmas. This is one of those points where you're going to just point and laugh at them here. And especially with the 49ers, a team I counted out towards the end of the season when Brock Purdy just seemed to forget who Brock Purdy is. And he still isn't playing super great like he was in the beginning of the season in the playoffs here. And yet we're kind of seeing the whole just the Chiefs really just the Chiefs are having low scoring games in the playoffs for if you if the exception of the Dolphins game here. And it's just kind of interesting to see how these are the two teams we get set with. I hold up four fingers. I know I do radio kids stay in school, (laughs) but just definitely we're kind of in a much thing, you know, as you said, everyone wanted the Ravens versus the lions. And, you know, the the rumor is the NFL changed the script, but Pat McAfee came out today and said that the NFL is not scripted and I, in big Patty, we trust, but it's just kind of, you know, a little disappointing here. That's like, you know, of course we got the two number one, I'm sorry. We have one of the number one seats in the big super bowl here. And just, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like this could be one of the greatest games you've ever seen, or this could be another Super Bowl. It's like, hey, remember Super Bowl in uh this is what number f- 58. Uh, 58. fifty-eight. Thank you. I don't know my Roman numeral. Give me some slack here. And it's gonna be like, oh, remember Super Bowl fifty-eight? Uh, who is in that one again? And that's just my thing here. So it's like I have a feeling this Super Bowl is going to be remembered for things other than the game, and that's my worst feeling. If you ever are confused about Roman numerals, just remember Adrian's Revenge. Okay. Just remember that that is it. <laughs> Shout out to all you. Rocky fans. plus Rocky three three three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it's funny you bring up low scoring games about Kansas City. They are playing great defense right now, and we've yes. seen San Francisco be able to overcome bad Brock Purdy play. So it's one of these things where these two teams went against a lot of adversity, even some self inflicted. But like unlike all these other teams, they overcame it, and that's what champions do. That's what people who go to the next level teams that go to the next level do and that to all credit Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid what he did with his squad and obviously from Brock Purdy to Patrick Mahomes and all the amazing players on those two rosters they overcame and you got to give them credit for that that's a big part of it Marver Super Bowl 58 at Allegiant Stadium a Super Bowl that we're going to watch on NFL films 20 years from now and the logos the uniforms the player names kind of feel historic in that aspect it kind of just feels right Chiefs and 49ers your thoughts on what we're going to see that Sunday I got a feeling okay <laughs> what's going to happen is it's going to be very much like a combination of Super Bowl LIV where uh Kansas City Chiefs came back from double digits to beat San Francisco 31 to 20 or and or the last time they played in Santa Clara in October of 22 which was 44 to 23 Chiefs now it may not be that high scoring, but I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than than people think, despite the team's good good defense. Because you know it's obviously going to be a perfect playing conditions and whatnot. But really, for me, the highlight is going to be the commercials and Usher, no question about it. And, and this <laughs> what's is your favorite band. Usher song, Marver? I don't know. You got Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> close enough. You know what? Close enough. Hey, listen. He was in the Super Bowl as a guest of the Black Eyed Peas. That's why I said that. But yeah. listen, the thing is, the thing is, is that you know, the most unusual part is that there are going to be three different anthems sung before the game. Are you guys aware of that? No, because uh, I know Reba, Reba McIntyre, McIntyre will be there. American, yeah. the uh, African American, and I don't know what the third one is. God bless America. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, so. look. They they know they they understand that this is a big pageantry and this is a way to be this to be on everybody's television from essentially eight a.m. to midnight on Sunday. That that is correct. <laughs> I mean, and the the two week buildup. I mean, to this point, it's almost like they don't really need that because 
it used to be that the Pro Bowl meant something, and now it's like a a tag football exhibition game, <laughs> with, <laughs> you know, so that's completely meaningless. So I I I think they almost should do away with that. But that that's what's on this week, you know, for for whatever reason, where the you know they have uh, uh, various activities to, to fill the, uh, the the week between the the championship games of the conference and the Super Bowl. So it's it's a, it's a big void. But this week uh, we'll have more more hype, and then when the players and everybody arrive in Vegas, you know, at the beginning of next week, the hype will build some more. So I'm glad you brought up the players arriving Monday, uh, Sunday into Monday, going into Super Bowl week, because it's interesting, and I want to go around the cubicle as we are breaking down Super Bowl 58 between the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs and the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. I'm Mike Mercado. It's Paul Shavari, Devin Tingle, the marvelous one, Dan Marver. And I want everybody to think about something that's intriguing them, a story that they want to kind of talk about for a second, about what they're what they're thinking about the Super Bowl, because this is something that caught my eyes, and I thought it was very interesting, especially coming off of the new deal that DraftKings is doing with LeBron James. And obviously we have, the Las Vegas Raiders. We have the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. According to reports and the NFL themselves, there is no gambling allowed both on NFL and sporting books and in casino games. Crabs, roulette, poker, you name it. By any player or staff member on either one of these teams. So And essentially both teams to avoid that are both staying roughly about 30 miles out of the Las Vegas Strip. Both the Chiefs and the 49ers. I find that to be very interesting how the NFL sports in general and the marriage of betting have kind of now blurred the lines. We're talking about sports books in arenas now. And then you're doing a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. You're putting your players in that position and you're doing all these rules to kind of circumvent and, and try to keep things up board. But I just found it very interesting. I don't know if it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but I definitely think it is something to point out that this billion-dollar conglomerate, this billion-dollar event is going to be in the betting capital of the world in a stadium that was built off of betting losses by Americans are very strict and have these rules about their players, not just on sports betting, but the thing that built Las Vegas themselves. Um, Pauline, I don't know if you have some, you have an opinion on this, but if this is something you want to roll with or if you have something else you want to talk about that kind of piqued your interest of the Super Bowl. No, I think that's that's probably the best like starting point for the storyline, regardless of who is going to be here. We knew it was going to be in Las Vegas. We know the marriage between the NFL and sports books. And, and yeah, the NFL has to be as transparent as possible to demonstrate that this game is not going to be affected by gambling off the field. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting with the players staying far away. But my curiosity, even outside of the gambling, is the fact that it is in Vegas. Take the gambling element out of it it's still a distraction anyway because of how much recreation a person can have in Las Vegas, you know, and then all the appearances that these guys have to do all the different parties going around town. I, I did get um, the Las Vegas uh, uh, tourism authority emailed me a press release about this and they had all of the various parties, you know, just dozens upon dozens of Super Bowl parties and events going on during the week. So I don't know if any of these guys are required to make appearances or what sort of off the field distractions we're going to see. We always know that, um, the, you know, the week that we're going to have coming up here is, you know, Super Bowl week where they have like media day and practices and just all of the distractions that they're required to do regardless of the location of the Super Bowl. But I'm wondering if even without the gambling element, if Las Vegas is going to be a major distraction off the field for some of these players. 
Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Paul brought up not even the gambling aspect, not even the teams that are there, but just the tourist experience, the the amount of entertainment that is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Your thoughts on how the NFL is handling this, your thoughts on, on the entire situation of Vegas hosting a Super Bowl, and maybe anything else that's kind of piqued your interest so far. So just to be clear, it's it's only the players, like the uh, fans can still gamble and stuff on the game stuff, right? Everybody can gamble except for staffers, coaches, and obviously the players. Okay, that's what I wanted to make sure. And I understand that. I mean, you know, I understand the betting on the games. Absolutely not. If you're in the league, you should not be betting on the games you're going to be playing in. We don't want to be, you know, the next Pete Rose or the uh, 1919 Chicago White Sox. Yeah, it still stings, Paul. But just the whole thing, they can't just gamble in general here, like at the casino. I mean, you know. I understand Super Bowl weekend is a lot of stuff. You know, remember the good old, you know, Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so I don't get fined. But they have some time in between there to have fun. And, you know, Vegas has, you know, so many, you know, casinos. Uh, It's not like they're saying, hey, you're not allowed to go to the bar and drink. I don't think that's a rule here. They're allowed to, you know, have a little bit of fun here. I mean, granted, there really aren't, you know, big party boys on either team here. But I'm just at the point where I'm like, it's one of those things where it also might kind of be the part of, you know, I'm going to take a guess with, you know, someone like Paul who's been to Vegas and Mercado's been to Vegas. I'm going to guess, Marvin, you may have been at least once in your lifetime. It's a big experience, though. But if you are an NFL player who plays these teams, like the uh, plays the, the team there like the Chiefs do, and you've probably been there at least four times now. Do you think the tourism side kind of wears off? Do you think you have a busy day that once you're done with all your Super Bowl stuff, you even want to go out and enjoy yourself? Or you want to just have a nice night and rest? It's a very interesting point, especially since these are pro athletes. And this isn't, you know, 1990 where you're worried about losing Dennis Rodman, who's going to be in Vegas one day and then in the NWO the next day and then go get 16 boards in an NBA finals. Like these guys tend to do their tempo. And I think that's a big thing. And Paulie. I think you have a very interesting perspective about this by obviously visiting Las Vegas, but your favorite team's in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and I thought Devin raised a really good point that now with four years of the Chiefs going to Las Vegas, that perhaps this gives them an edge because they're aware of what those distractions are and what lies ahead of them. But Plus, not even that, but the experience of playing in their, you know, what, fourth Super Bowl over the last four years or five years. So uh, that, that, that could be a distinct advantage that the Chiefs carry into this. Uh, probably a bigger factor than where the Super Bowl will be played, right, is what you just said, the experience factor. But we'll talk about that when we start making our predictions. That's a great point. But, but also the location, too. I think yeah. it, like the double whammy of yeah. playing in Super Bowls and knowing the environment. A perceptive point that we should be keeping in mind when we're making our predictions in a little bit as we are previewing, predicting, and getting excited for Super Bowl 58. And Marver, the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, and you're hearing <laughs> the do's and don'ts and <laughs> the distraction i mean whether or not this was miami or vegas but your thoughts on what the the rules are and kind of the vibes of this aspect Mm -hmm. of sports and gambling especially the biggest game in america in las vegas yeah well i mean obviously as you may know the uh this game was originally going to be in new orleans but it was pushed back to 25 because they didn't want to conflict with mardi gras point number one (laughs) point number two we haven't mentioned the key element i'm very concerned because taylor swift will be on a concert tour in japan on February 9th and 10th. So this is of great concern to me that her private jet might get there in time. To, when t- she touches her hair and she asks if she's on camera yet and she can jump up and down. It's very important that we have that as part of this event. But I, I've narrowed my two songs down, Rusher now. It's between Blue and The Boyfriend. I hope that he does one of those too. The gambling <laughs> doesn't bother me, by the way. By the way, Devin, how many hits did Pete Rose have? Don't get me started. 
<laughs> okay, you know what, Barbara, you've gone, you've just gone all the way on this. We've gone from Taylor Swift to Usher to now Pete Rose. God bless you on a Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl 58. It is the Chiefs. It is the 49ers. We are here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. It's Paul Shavari, Devin Single, the marvelous one, Dan Marver. Paulie, before we break down the game in our predictions and we look forward to all the fun prop bets and everything that will actually happen come kickoff, is there anything that you have seen heading into the Super Bowl that has piqued your interest, that has kind of gotten you as a storyline, as a fan, or somebody who does this for a living that has really said, huh, that's interesting. For what it's worth, in all of these recent Super Bowls that Patrick Mahomes has played in, he never once had a lead going into the fourth quarter. That is fascinating. That is fascinating because people made such a big deal heading in this playoff run of them never winning road games. And we tend to forget that in the biggest moments, whatever the team may look like. And we were mentioning uh, four years ago. I mean, this is a team that doesn't have Tyree Kill anymore. This is a team that had a Travis Kelsey that had a busted knee week one of the season, and they still found their way here. And that is a fascinating point. And again, something we have to think about. Dev, before we make our predictions, before we go around the cubicle, is there something that has piqued your interest or just something that uh, it has made you go as you're scrolling through social media, like, oh, I didn't expect that to be a story at the Super Bowl. To go off Paul's thing really quick, have the 49ers had a game where they had the lead in the uh, the fourth quarter in this playoff state? Because I feel like they haven't come back every game so far this That's entire playoff. I'll have to look that it up. Definitely, definitely seem like that. Of course, we, if, if you opened up any – if you uh, listened to a great station like WCPT this morning, you definitely heard that there is a huge rustle about Taylor Swift and how she's – a plant from all these people. And it's just, it's just kind of annoying. And I'm seeing the Swift fans make dumb jokes. I'm seeing the anti-Swift fans make dumb jokes. And I'm just going to close out on this. The uh, Chiefs kicker, Harrison Buckner, uh, Bucker. Uh, yeah, he works with a pro-life organization. So anyone wants to say they're here because this is the Libs trying to steal the Super Bowl? Get the heck out of here. This is just a team that is really good. And I'll say it again. Daddy Pat McAfee said, the NFL is not scripted. Y'all are just dumb. <laughs> hey, look, it is the Super Bowl. So depending on how much money I, I lose, I'm going to say it's script or not on this platform. I will put that tank top on if you don't stop it right now, mister. All right. I have a parley I need to hit, Paulie. Uh, just to follow up on what Devin asked me, uh, if the Niners have had a lead going into the fourth quarter in this playoffs, no, they have not. In the divisional, they were losing to Green Bay, ended up outscoring them 10 nothing in the last quarter. And then the NFC, they were tied to the Lions going into the fourth quarter. But as we know, they trailed 24 to 7 at the half. Diversity has been something the 49ers have been overcoming in this, this playoffs. Again, X factors that people don't want to talk about because everybody makes their hot takes. But the idea is that this team has come back. They have the talent. The 49ers may have been chalked, but they have faced adversity in these playoffs and overcome them. And it's what we mentioned earlier. Good teams overcome adversity and bad play, and that is how they get to the big game and win the big game because they are that. They are built like that. They got the dog in them, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see that. Marver, before we make our predictions, we've been, we've been talking about interesting stories on the field for you during this game. I want to talk really fast your perception of Andy Reid. Do you think Andy Reid retires if he wins the Super Bowl? Well, <laughs> that, that would be a good way to go out. I said before that's what Belichick should have done. But <laughs> I have a feeling that, that he's with this, he still hungers. He's still got the fire in the belly. So even if they win, I, I'm not sure he can, he can do some more commercials too. You know, his, his brand will be good, good so he can do those commercials. So uh, I think he might hang around. 
a little bit longer. Look, and as long as he keeps saying, explain it to me, but using those nuggies on national yes. television, I will always be okay with Andy Reid being on my television. <laughs> Speaking of Andy Reid, we have finally made it. It is time to predict Super Bowl 58 between the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs and the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. On one side, Kyle Shanahan, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, a Brandon Ayuk, a George Kittle. On the other side, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, maybe the greatest tight end quarterback duel we've seen since Tom Brady and Gronk trying to establish themselves as the next great duel of a generation. You have Andy Reid coaching a team that has an emerged Isaiah Pachenko. And what they don't on defense, they have two teams playing in this big game that if it's scripted or not, they got the right cast. There's a bunch of superstars in this game that can make this an all-timer. And that is why it's going to be very hard to predict. So we're going to start with the guy who watches the Chiefs twice a year, who has seen a lot of football with us, talked a lot of football with us this season. And it's finally come down to this, Paulie. Time to predict the last game of the NFL season. The Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers. What happens on Sunday, February 11th, 2024 at Allegiant Stadium? Well, it's hard to bet against the Chiefs. There's experience. There's the fact that they're defending champions. It's the fact that they're kind of in the middle of a, maybe a dynasty right now that they can really solidify with a win. I'd love to go with the Chiefs, but however, I think there's an X factor for the 49ers that we haven't really talked about that uh, is a game-changing type of player that was not there four years ago and who's now on this team and who I think will be the MVP of the Super Bowl with the 49ers win. It'll be 30-24 to 24 in overtime on a Christian McCaffrey rushing touchdown that will uh, seal the deal. And that's my MVP as well. And that means we have ourselves a great game if that's the prediction that it goes with. Devin, Super Bowl 58, Chiefs 49ers. Is it going to be an all-timer? Is it going to be a dud? Who's the MVP? What happens in Las Vegas? I think the game's going to be tied going into the fourth quarter and the world's going to implode because both teams don't have a deficit or a lead. No, I mean, I definitely think this is going to be kind of a close one. I don't think we're going to break. I think 27 is going to be the, the team, the team, the winning team score. And as Paul Asia said, you really can't go against the Chiefs here. And let's be real here. The 49ers, oh, both teams have kind of felt like they've been skinning, you know, getting by by the skin of their teeth here. But I mean, as we kind of saw against the game with the Ravens, it wasn't high scoring, but Patrick Mahomes has turned it on and remembered he is Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. And I, I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes because I definitely could see Pacheco or Chris Jones really, you know, being a bigger factor here. But I, I, I feel like I got to say Patrick Mahomes because in all reality, if he's the quarterback, he's the face of this team. Yes, social, yes, social media. There is a guy who is not named Travis Kelsey who this team really likes and really put all their money into. He's got, what, 80-something million, 200 million? Crazy. So I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to say it's going to be 27-24 maybe even coming down to the wire in this game. Marvelous. We are here. Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium. Who do you got when Sunday night hits and the final whistle blows? Who has won yeah. Super Bowl 58? Well, I'm going to stick with my pick at the beginning of the season, which would be the Chiefs. Now, you know, you guys know I'm a historian and a mathematician, among other things. And in, in Super Bowl LIV, they scored 31. Again, LV 31 and LVII 38. So, I think it's it's going to be a 31-point total for uh, Kansas City. And, uh, you know, it was 31-20 four years ago. So, I mean, history may repeat itself. 
for another 31-20, I feel. And that's going to be my prediction. 31-20 Chiefs. And I guess uh, Mahomes has to be the MVP unless somebody does something remarkable uh, on the offensive end. Because does a defensive guy ever get the MVP? <laughs> Not too often. This is something that I've been facing, especially when it was Chiefs and Bills, Chiefs and Ravens. My analytical brain, every stat says, go with the 49ers. Go with the team with the two stud receivers and the freak tight end and maybe a future Hall of Famer at running back. A boy genius now become man genius in offense in Kyle Shanahan. But until somebody kills Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, before somebody slays that dragon, before somebody defeats Bader and Thanos, I am going with the Kansas City Chiefs 27, San Francisco 49ers 24, and the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. I think this has the potential to blow up at all our face that picked the Kansas City Chiefs. I think there's a universe where the 49ers have enough talent to overcome a Brock Purdy mistake. But I will say this much. Unlike other teams that San Francisco has played, if you make a mistake, Kansas City will capitalize on it. They will drain the clock, and by the time you know it, you are down 10 points with three minutes left. And if the scenario is the opposite, and it's a one-score game, but Mahomes has the ball with a chance to win, do you trust any defense to stop him from winning that game? That's the question I ask to all people making a prediction. This is what we're talking about, though, of what makes a great matchup in sports, in boxing, in combat sports. When it's matchups like this, when it's opponents like this, that your heart, your brain could be at odds because either team could win the big game. Those are official predictions for Super Bowl 58 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. We have a few minutes left, so why don't we have some fun? You guys want to make some prop bets and see what we got? All right, let's do it. Let's do some fun ones first, okay? So, obviously, we'll do the Taylor Swift one. Just to start things off, we'll go around the room. We'll make this one rapido. We'll make sure that uh, everybody gets credit for this in our point system. So, first one, Taylor Swift. How many times is Taylor Swift seen over under three and a half? Holly, I will start with you. Three and a half times that we see a cutaway of Taylor Swift. Over. They're, they're going to show her probably a dozen times in this game if she's there. Seven over under three and a half times we see Taylor Swift. I was going to say three because that tends to be the average, but you said three and a half, so I got to go under. Marver, over under. How many times do we see Taylor Swift? Three and a half. How many times do we see Taylor Swift? Five at least. But keep in mind, she's going to have jet lag because her last concert is in Tokyo on the 10th. So maybe zero. <laughs> if there's any kind of delays with weather or what have you. I suggest everybody check out that amazing social media video of the group of friends that were doing the math and checking flight times. Taylor Swift can make it from Tokyo if she finishes her concert at 11 p.m., 12 p.m. Tokyo time. And if she goes on her private jet, she will be able to make it in time to actually get about six hours of sleep and make it to the Super Bowl. So fingers crossed, it's an over, an easy over. All right, what color is the Gatorade poured on the winning coach? Purple, orange, red, clear, blue, yellow, green. Polly, what color do you think it's going to be? Uh, red. It's got to be red. Two red teams. I think that's the logical choice. Devin. Isn't it always yellow? I'll stick with yellow. Marver. I say, I say yellow. I'm going to go blue. I think it's going to be blue. Paul, heads or tails? 
Uh, tails. Devin, heads or tails? Uh, heads. Marver, heads or tails? I think it's tails because they don't even have a head of heads or tails on their and their commemorative coin. <laughs> so they, they probably can't even tell the difference. <laughs> All right. Don't put it in the uh, scene. Let's go actually on the field for the last ones. Patrick Mahomes over under 261 and a half yards. Over under 261 and a half for Mahomes. Paulie? I'm going to go under. Devin, over under 261 and a half for Mahomes. I was going to go under, but I don't want to agree with Paul, so I'll say over. <laughs> Barber, 261 and a half over under for Mahomes passing yards. Barely over. I'm going to go with under on that one. I think it's going to be under 261. Purdy, 245 and a half over under. Paulie? Uh, under. Devin? Under. Marver? Under. I'm going under as well. All right, let's go touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, over under, a touchdown and a half. Paulie? Uh, just rushing? Uh, as a touchdown. One rushing touchdown. Yes, good call. Uh, we'll go over. Devin? I'll go over. I think he's going to get at least two. Marver? I agree. Probably get two. I'm going under. He's getting one. He might catch one, but he's getting one. All right. You what's the last? Tails. You never told us. Oh, I'm playing heads. Good call. Okay. I will go heads. All right. Last one, guys. What do you guys want to do as the last one? Let's see. Um, I think the last one should be. Oh, let's go total score. Right. You guys want to see what the total score of the Super Bowl is going to be? Okay. That's your math. I think the total is, as I am looking it up right now at our friends over at DraftKings, we are not sponsored by DraftKings, but we want to make sure that we are the first sports we, book we're happy to look at. Yeah, yeah, just the one that we're happy to look at because I want to make sure that there's full transparency of where we're getting these numbers. But in the over under of Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and 49ers is over under 47. Paulie, 47 total points. Uh, over. Devin. If my math is right, over. Marver. Well, I said 3120, which is 51. So that's over. <laughs> I will be going with under. So we have ourselves our prediction. Guys, this was a lot of fun. This was a great time. Super Bowl 58. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. It is the San Francisco 49ers. Sunday, February 11th, 2024 at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. Make sure you leave your comments down below in the video wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to be the MVP? Obviously, if you didn't hear because I don't think I said it, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP, but we want to know who you think is going to be the MVP. Follow us on Twitter at SportsCubicle. TV. Of course, subscribe to us on YouTube at the Sports Cubicle. Make sure you like us and visit us and listen to all the interviews that we've done over at WCPT SoundCloud at WCPT. And of course, wherever you get your fair podcast at Sports from the College, the Sports Cubicle. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the week leading up to the Super Bowl. Make your bets and props safely and responsibly. And enjoy the ride. Make sure you got your food all set up because we sure do here at the Sports Cubicle. We'll be breaking it down as the fallout of Super Bowl 58 hits us. He's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Paul Shibari. He's Devin Tingle. I'm Mike Mercado. We keep things rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. And while everybody is getting ready, getting hyped, getting prepped for Super Bowl 58 between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs, Chicago, and more specifically, Chicago Bears fans have their eyes and ears glued to everything that has to deal with the NFL draft this coming April, and more specifically, what is going to happen with Caleb Williams and Justin Fields. 
and some news kind of hits the wire that has Bears fans, Bears Twitter, Bears social media in an uproar. And it has to do with some words said by national media broadcaster, big time hot take artist, one of the best at the business at what he does of being a broadcast taker in the sports realm. And that is Colin Cowherd. And he heard some rumors. He had some insight on what the Caleb Williams camp is thinking and maybe some scenarios that will happen between Chicago and some other suitors in this year's NFL draft. So I haven't heard the actual clip from the episode of Colin Cowherd and what he had to say. So here on the sports cubicle around the water cooler, each of us are going to listen to it and we'll break it down. We'll see what is said and the merit to it and what kind of vibes this is giving out and any clues of what we might be seeing in the next few months. There are some, I will say this because I'm a kind of connected to this whole mm-hmm. Caleb thing. I know you're sitting on some stuff. I am sitting on some stuff. I think there are some concerns in NFL circles that dad has a little too much say in power. There's worry that they're not going to hire an agent. Now, Lamar Jackson didn't, and it was fine. Um, oh, was it? <laughs> well, it wasn't perfect, but it worked. He made, he got his he got his paycheck. Um, it's not ideal. You'd like to have a real agent. Um, there, there's some concerns here that uh, dad's a little too involved. Now, dads are very, very involved in high school and college quarterbacking. So that's just part of the new world we live in. But I, I still contend, you're going to think I'm nuts here. I do think it's possible that Washington trades up and Chicago allows Washington to trade up because Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. So there's a lot to take in from there. That's Colin Cowherd on his show talking about what he is hearing from, I think, a bunch of different places and their opinions about Caleb Williams and the Chicago Bears. And there is also one other clip I want you guys to listen to about Colin Cowherd speaking on Caleb Williams and the Chicago Bears and the problem the Bears have. I've been told there are places that Caleb Williams in the NFL is very concerned about. And they are organizations that have a lousy history of developing quarterbacks and protecting quarterbacks. You can figure out who they are. Chicago. So if you're a Bears fan, what are you supposed to take from this? How are you supposed to digest this? What can you take from this and put the clues together and wonder and guess and speculate what the Chicago Bears are going to do? What Caleb Williams is going to do? There's a few things I want to highlight about what he said there, especially the the sourcing of this information. I think first thing you have to kind of keep in mind is the ties Colin Cowherd does have to NFL agents and people in NFL staffs and obviously his connections to USC being in Los Angeles. He is plugged in, but this isn't Adam Schefter. This isn't Jay Glazer. This isn't any of the top tier NFL newsbreakers that you know and that you trust when it comes to a source in the NFL news realm. Is it possible that the family, the camp of Caleb Williams is trying to do everything they can to guarantee whoever picks some makes it the best deal possible? That they meet every type of demand or any type of worry they answer? Is it possible that the NFL front offices are the ones telling Colin Cowherd that they're worried about Caleb Williams' father and the way that they're managing him and handling him. I think at the end of the day, what Bears fans have to understand is this is going to be your life. 
if this is all you consume when it comes to sports news for the next three months because it's only going to be speculation there is not going to be this definitive report that comes out unless again it is Jay Glazer or Adam Schefter or whoever Ian Rappaport whoever you want to name and it's coming from Caleb Williams mouth himself or Ryan Poles' mouth himself I think we have to come to the reality that it doesn't matter what you hear and what you see follow the money and follow what makes the most sense do I think Justin Fields is a heck of a quarterback? Absolutely. Would I love to see Justin Fields under the best circumstances be the number one quarterback, the guy of the Chicago Bears? Of course. Does everybody like to do it off the field? Of course. But if you are just using common sense in an NFL mindset, the Chicago Bears are not going to trade down unless they have decided to go with Justin Fields. And there's been no indication that that's the case. How often... Does a general manager pass up on picking up a quarterback two straight years? And you know the number one pick isn't going to be Marvin Harrison. As much as Chicago Bears fans would love to see Marvin Harrison Jr. with Justin Fields. Maybe if you move down to number two, that may be in the books. But even then, if they move just down one, that means they're picking a quarterback. And if that's the case, that means they scouted that somebody is better than Caleb Williams, who, if it wasn't for this weird new dynamic that's being played that happens every draft season of talking about somebody's character and for not having the best results on a USC team after his Heisman year, that wasn't that great of a USC team to begin with talent-wise around him. That was the consensus number one. And now you're going to trade down and pick another quarterback over him because there might be some whispers or murmurs. Now, there has been enough smoke to say he probably doesn't want to come to Chicago. Rightfully so, if your worry is, can they develop a quarterback? Why do they keep the same head coach? Can I trust them to utilize me and put me in the best position? Bring me enough talent that I can do my job and elevate this team. The Shane Waldron hire is a very solid one on the offensive coordinator side. And obviously having Matt Eberflus come back as a head coach does bring in some type of continuity. Just a few days ago, the Bears hired the Bills' former defensive lineman coach, Eric Washington, as their defensive coordinator. So you have a good defense. You have what was a very up-and-coming, very highly praised offensive coordinator that comes from the Sean McVay tree coming into your team you have the continuity the foundation of a head coach coming back that has really connected with a lot of these players the star players on this team and a GM that has hit on multiple trades multiple drafts there's a lot to like about Chicago while fully acknowledging if you were Caleb Williams and you were worried about the way that they utilize and that they packaged and that they try to develop Justin Fields specifically Luke Getze that's a valid criticism if you're part of the Caleb Williams team if you're Caleb Williams himself but that doesn't seem to be the case for right now i think you have to be careful when you're reading or listening to opinions and hot takes like we did from colin cowherd there might be some truth to it it might play out that way also in general in this entire conversation this long few months we're gonna have until april more than likely whatever your opinion is whatever your guess is It's going to be incorrect because that's how it is in sports and especially in the NFL. More than likely, whoever the Bears pick at quarterback, whether it is Justin Fields, whether it is Caleb Williams, whether it is Jaden Daniels, whether it is J.J. McCarthy, whether it is a Michael Penix, a Bo Nix, more than likely, it'll be wrong. More than likely, somebody will be drafted that nobody saw coming. But you have to do your due diligence. You have to do all the work to make the best educated guess you can. And if that means 
drafting Caleb Williams, that is what the Bears are going to do. If it means trading down, that's what the Bears are going to do. But I don't think it's some crazy feat to guess it's going to be a bust or they're going to trade out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Matt says it's not going to work out. But the Bears, in my opinion, have to make this move. They have to take and seize this opportunity. Whether or not they do it, it's a different question. It's a different scenario. But I also believe it's very important in 2024, if you're a sports fan that consumes a lot of sports media, that your sports literacy IQ needs to get higher. You need to train it. You need to develop it. Colin Coward was saying words like, I, I believe, I've heard. It's not Caleb Williams said. Ryan Post said. It was an opinion that gained traction and fits a narrative of drama, big-name franchises in Chicago and Washington, Caleb Williams, Heisman winner in SoCal from Washington. Will he be the savior of Chicago? Easy narratives and rightfully so of bad organization never developing a quarterback in Chicago and the fact that they decide everything in the new cycle post-Super Bowl. That's the key to all this, that no matter what, after the Super Bowl, the number one story in the NFL is Caleb Williams and the Chicago Bears. We already seen Bears fans and NFL fans on social media lose it over this clip. I'm telling you, it's only going to get worse, dumber, interesting, gross. Every word, adjective, description, descriptor you can think of is going to be the case. My instincts, my gut feeling, my educated guess, even after hearing that, is I believe they're drafting Caleb Williams. But that doesn't mean that it's going to work out for them. It also doesn't mean that it's going to work if they keep Justin Fields. The only thing that matters is that whatever decision they make, that it ends up being the correct one. Because if it's not, they're going to set their franchise back another 10 years. We got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave a comment at the Sports Cubicle. We're all over the universe. Follow the podcast. Share us. Subscribe to us wherever you get your favorite podcast at the Sports Cubicle Sports from the Couch. And our SoundCloud over on WCPT SoundCloud, WCPT 820. What did you think about Colin Cowherd saying that Washington will trade up to number one and the Bears will happily trade down to number two, specifically because Caleb Williams does not want to be a Chicago Bear? Let us know your thoughts. We got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. We keep things rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado, and a conversation that has hit the NBA Twitter sphere, the NBA zeitgeist, NBA fans all over social media and at the arenas talking about these games are the load management and the new 65 game rule for the NBA MVP amongst the other awards and the injury that has hit the favorite MVP odds on favorite in the MVP race, Joel Embiid, who was diagnosed with a meniscus injury in left knee. His timetable is unclear. This comes to us from Jack Bauer, Yahoo Sports. Philadelphia 76er star Joel Embiid can be out for a lot longer than just this weekend. The reigning MVP has been diagnosed with a meniscus injury in his left knee and will be out through at least the weekend while the Sixers figure out a treatment plan. The team announced Thursday. The Sixers full statement via Yahoo Sports, Jake Fisher, quote, an MRI following Wednesday's game and further evaluation over the last 24 hours revealed an injury to the lateral 
meniscus in Embiid's left knee. Embiid, in consultation with the 76ers medical staff and several leading specialists, will be out through the weekend while a treatment plan is finalized. Updates will be provided as appropriate. Embiid sustained the injury during Tuesday's game against the Golden State Warriors. He dove for the ball after being stripped on offense and was still on the court when the Warriors forward, Jonathan Kaminga, landed on his left knee, causing it to bend awkwardly. Embiid was in clear pain after the play, grabbing at his knee on the court and eventually lipping to the locker room. And then we are hearing this conversation about guys like Tyrese Halliburton and some of the other stars in the NBA who are pushing themselves, who are playing while being injured to meet the criteria of the MVP award race, the minimum 65 games you need to play. The injury has changed the way the betting market has looked. Now Nikola Jokic has jumped up. Luka Doncic has jumped up. But you're seeing players put themselves out there and playing a lot more to meet that criteria. This rule was not needed. It was a reaction, an overreaction to everything that was happening with Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James, Paul George, and all these other guys in the NBA. Of them not playing certain games, not playing back-to-backs. And the way the narrative changed it was much more impactful than the actual stats behind it. Because while science is showing that load management may not necessarily even work to keep a player from being injured, the one thing that we did see is you don't win awards if you don't play. You might make all-star games. You might make things or win things that are fan voted, but when it comes to the players and the journalists, the ex-players, the people who vote on the awards that matter, that make you win incentives in your contract to activate them so that you make more money, they weren't voting for people that weren't playing. So this definitely was an overreaction. Do I think the NBA does have a problem on scheduling, on making sure your ticket is worth it, the price of tickets? I mean, that could be the case for anything in the United States, heck, in the world right now, but entertainment. I mean, for that, just way of living, it's expensive right now. But I do think you have put these players in an awkward position, these teams in an awkward position to meet these minimum standards when you really never needed it. So I think it's unfortunate for the Sixers, who have a legit shot of winning the NBA Finals, and now this is a huge blow. Embiid might not play the rest of the season. It might be four to six weeks. It might be the rest of the NBA season that he doesn't play. And obviously that just title contention gone, over with. But it's something as fans, observers, we have to keep an eye out, is while I think for most basketball fans, it was a good nature, good intention, conversation, and concern about making sure that players play into the product and the quality of the product and the consumer all being taken care of. But there is such a thing as overreaction, and I think this game limit has done that. And now that you're seeing players get hurt, players playing while being hurt, while being injured, damaging the product, which will damage the product later on when you have the most eyeballs, and that's in the NBA playoffs and the finals. And if you don't have star players, you're not going to have the viewers. So I think it's something to really keep an eye out. But let us know your thoughts. Embiid out for now. No certain timetable with a meniscus injury. But how do you think this was impacted and other players' injuries have been impacted by the minimum rule of games played in order to be eligible for NBA awards, including the NBA MVP? We got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. So I wanted to mention this story here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. Charles Barkley took some time during the NBA on TNT pregame show when they were announcing the All-Star Reserves to give a shout out, a mention, to highlight someone and their family situation that they're currently going through. And that is former Chicago Bull, Tony Snell. I read an article yesterday, Tony Snell. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, needing I, to be signed. By the end of this week, because yeah. he's got two kids with autism, and he needs to play to the end of the year to get a 10-year medical right. to help him take care of his two autistic kids. I'm hoping, you know, man, the NBA's been great to all of us sitting up here. Uh, you know, and you guys are going to be playing basketball forever, making a gazillion dollars. I hope one of you guys signed Tony so his two autistic kids can get great medical care. I read that article. Or oh, just the league just, well, Adam Silver comes in and, and it makes an exception and he gets the, he gets the well, well, medical well, care. But well, I mean, it, it's, it's, only, it's only 40 games. So he can uh, make, but, uh, well, 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 I'm just telling you. He, yeah. they, they, That's they, an easier way. Well, no, I'm just saying. I, I hope a team signs yeah. him for the rest of the season because, you know, I don't know a lot about autism. I'm not going to say that. But, man, I know it's got to be expensive to have two young kids with that situation. So I'm hoping the NBA – we always talk about what a family we are. Right. Let's, let's sign that kid for the rest of the season. So I thought that was just pretty cool to hear Charles Barkley say that and for him to use that platform. And, you know, obviously that's the best pregame, postgame studio show in all of sports. And, you know, they sometimes say goofy things. They sometimes say dumb things. They say insightful things and they make you laugh, cry, everything in between. And to hear that shout out and that story and to, you know, see what Tony Snell and his family are going through. And, you know, there's always going to be those people to say, well, he made NBA money and so on. and So these athletes, anybody who entertainment, sports, they invent something, they hit it big in one big moment. The time of you being able to make that amount of money is so finite and it's not guaranteed. The way the system is built where they're always looking for their cheapest way for labor at any walk of life, whenever you can have an opportunity like this where you can set your family up and you can help make sure your family, your children are going to get the best available treatment and assets and help available that they're going to need, you will do whatever it takes. And for Tony Snow, if that's for an NBA team to make him the last man on the bench, I don't think there's any harm to that, especially in a league where now they're using the G League. They're using cheap two-way players to fill up the end of their bench. And if that's the case, I think it'll be very cool, if not noble, obviously, and it's not a charity, but to see that story end that way where he does sign for the last 40 games and he's able to have that health insurance. And I think it would be really cool. As of this recording, he has not signed with anybody, but we'll see if that ends up playing out that way. But, you know, I thought it was just a cool shout out from Charles Barkley and just a story I wanted to bring up here on the Sports Cubicle. But we got more coming up next here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Sports Cubicle. For Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver, and myself, the Paulacious One, Paul Shavari. this is the Sports Cubicle on WCPT 820 in Chicago, where facts matter. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. You can find us on YouTube at Sports Cubicle. Uh, we're everywhere, man. Instagram, you name it. Uh, thank you for listening. Our shows are on SoundCloud. Start your week with Choose Views with Richard Chute tomorrow. So long, everybody. 